When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers, bringing authentic, authoritative, and exclusive stories to you weekly from the tea lands. Hello, everyone. Here are the headlines. The EU this week enforces single-use plastic rules. Easing Iranian sanctions benefits the tea trade. And Kenya tea auction prices plummeted to a 10-year low. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Keilani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Elliptia Tea Estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. The European Union enforces single-use plastic rules. On July 3rd, the European Union began enforcing a single-use products ban on plastics to reduce damage caused to the oceans and the environment. Firms that use plates, utensils, stirs, straws, takeaway containers, bottles, cups, and other oxo-degradable plastics, oxo-degradable are those products that break down into microplastics, must switch to more sustainable materials or risk fines. The bans are part of the European Green Deal, which lists 35 actions that focus on creating a circular economy that reuses materials. PET beverage in food containers for immediate consumption, packets and wrappers and wet wipes are permitted under a principle referred to as polluter pays. In France, for example, plastic tea bags are banned. In Germany, polystyrene food containers are allowed so long as producers cover the cost of collection, transport, cleanup, and marketing awareness for anti-pollution programs. Enforcement of polluter pays regulations begin December 31st, 2024. Business Insight In the past 50 years, global production and consumption of plastics has increased 20-fold, according to Zero Waste Europe. In 1964, consumers used 15 million metric tons of plastic, a total that has increased to 311 million metric tons by 2014. Current projections show that total doubling again. Oxo-degradable plastics make up about 70% of marine litter in Europe. 
directives such as the single-use plastic rules will impact exports of food products from any destination bound for sale in the European Union. The European Commission wants to ensure that all packaging on the EU market is reusable or recyclable in an economically viable way by 2030. The recent election in Iran, combined with indications that sanctions hold little appeal for the Biden administration in the U.S., suggest a possible breakthrough for the tea trade. Iran is one of the top five tea importers globally. India is the likely beneficiary as Iran is its second most important tea trading partner. Iran imported a record 53.5 million kilos of Indian tea in 2019. That total fell to 28 million kilos last year as COVID reduced India's total exports to 202 million kilos. In 2020, Iran imported $101 million worth of Indian tea, down from $173 million the previous year, according to the Tea Board of India. Trade is difficult because sanctions prevent payment in U.S. dollars, forcing India to devise workarounds such as bartering oil for tea. Sanctions over the country's pursuit of nuclear armament date to 1979. In January, in the final days of the Trump administration, the U.S. imposed additional sanctions causing further economic hardship. Inflation rose to 35% in 2019, and foreign investments are down. In June, Biden lifted sanctions and is considering a major rollback as the U.S. seeks a, quote, longer and stronger, end quote, Iranian nuclear agreement, which had been abandoned in 2016. Business Insight Iran produces 20 to 30 million kilos of tea domestically, but pays top price for teas from India that averaged 259 rupees per kilo in 2020, as well as teas from Sri Lanka and Kenya. Iranian tea growers are pursuing this segment with organic and sustainable orthodox teas. This year, Iran's government has so far spent $15.9 million purchasing 62,000 metric tons of green leaf, a 10% increase compared to 2020, according to the Iran Tea Organization. The raw leaf is sufficient to make 14,000 metric tons of processed tea, mainly CTC. The government of Kenya is looking into an unusual decline to a decade low in tea auction prices. Agricultural Cabinet Secretary Peter Munya told Business Daily that he questions whether slack demand is behind the sub-$2 per kilo average paid at the Mombasa tea auction. Traders attribute the decline to weak demand and a global glut of tea. The East Africa Tea Trading Association reported prices had declined to 178 Kenya shillings, about $1.65 U.S. per kilo last week, down from the 
181 Kenyan shillings, a dollar 68 average, from the prior sell and well below the 2000 threshold considered essential to recover the cost of producing finished tea. Kenya has experienced a five year decline in tea prices. Business Insight. Speaking at an induction ceremony for the newly seated Kenya Tea Development Agency Board, Munyan challenged board members to refocus the business objectives to serve the interest of farmers. Reforms enacted in January are geared towards restoring good governance and making the tea industry sustainable and profitable, he said. Arvinda and Antheraman in Bengaluru brings us this week's tea price report. India tea price report for the week ending July 3rd, 2021. COVID continues to lead the headlines, although test positivity rates have dropped. The monsoon season continues across the country. Assam is on flood alert. Sale 26 at auction saw fair to good demand for teas in North India. The South saw poor demand except at Kunur, which showed fair demand for leaf tea. Gohati saw good demand for leaf. Hindustan Unilever and Tata Consumer Products were active for dust. Kolkata too saw good demand from blenders for dust. Orthodox tea saw strong demand from export buyers and Darjeeling enjoyed good demand. Siliguri saw fair demand but prices were at a seven-week low. In the south, Kochi saw a dip in prices along with higher volumes of unsold tea. Reports say that unsold quantity between the last two auctions stood at 300,000 kilos, up from 100,000 kilos. This increase is attributed to the drop in out-of-home consumption, along with tea being distributed with essentials as part of the public distribution system. Only 38% of orthodox dust was sold. Coimbatore saw 35% of leaf offerings sold and only about 57% of dust sold. And now, a word from our sponsor. Q-Trade Teas works with tea purveyors at every scale. From promising startups to the world's largest multinational beverage brands in the hot, iced, and bottled tea segments. With U.S.-based formulation, blending, and packaging services, Q-Trade can help you innovate, scale up, and grow your specialty tea brand. For more information, visit our website, QTradeTeas.com. T-Biz this week travels to Las Vegas for a report on the first in-person edition of World Tea Expo in two years, and then to New Jersey, where rarer tea book collector Donald Maxton shares with Kyle Whittington his fascination with tea texts and ephemera dating to the 1800s. World Tea Expo plus conference was forced to take a two-year COVID hiatus returning to Las Vegas last week as a face-to-face event co-located for the first time with the rebranded Bar and Restaurant Expo. Attendees co-mingled well, says Faith Ann Bales, one of the original co-founders of the World Tea Expo in 2003. Hello, Dan. How are you? Oh, it's just a delight to have you on the program, Faith Ann. How did the show go? It was so, it was so exciting to actually see people again and and get to talk to them and it's such a difference you've got the people coming and just 
they're just lit up like light bulbs, excited to listen to everything. And we had a fabulous boot camp, well over a hundred people. It was just amazing how many people went through. The classes were very well attended. We had people from NCB coming over and being part of our classes. Our people went over to their classes. So it was good because we're getting the restaurant people involved with tea, which is what we've been trying to do for years. And it was an excellent, excellent thing. This is the first time that the show has been co-located with the nightclub and uh, restaurant and bar group. What are the advantages of that? What did you notice that uh, w- was uh, helpful to the group as a whole? Most restaurants start their tea program and they put no thought into it because they don't know what tea tastes like. They don't know what they don't know. That's a bad place. So we want them to at least know what they don't know. We want to get them to step two. We did a lot of mocktails and then a lot of tea-infused cocktails. They were all over at the sports bar. People were just, they were like, oh, this is so refreshing. Oh, this tastes really good. So it was It was a very educational part of it without having to be educational. It was fun. Everybody enjoyed it. And I think it opened up a lot of eyes. Hey, we can add tea into our menu. So I'm pretty excited about how well it went. And I think it's going to go even better as we get used to working with them more. They get used to seeing us. It's just, I think it's going to be a great move for us. And Thank goodness Questex realizes the advantage. How was attendance compared to previous years? Well, it was hard to tell because it was a mixed bunch. We were all together. And I mean, I was a little worried that the classes weren't going to be well attended, but they were. And the show floor was jammed. And I mean, everybody was having a great time. This first show for us was absolutely phenomenal. Tell us about the next show. I started this show in 2003, George, Jage, Stephen, and myself. So it's going to be 20 years since um, the, the since the first show at the Las Vegas Hilton in the in their grand ballroom. We're planning all kinds of things for the 20th anniversary. You, nobody can miss that show. And you're coming and you're speaking, so we've got it all covered. Well, I appreciate that invitation, and you can count on me being there. Thanks so much for joining us today, Fithiana. We appreciate that, and congratulations on a great show. A rare find. What makes a tea book special, asked tea book club founder Kyle Whittington. Rare book collector Donald Maxton says he first considers the age of a published work, which often reflects the culture of the time. And then, interesting and unusual designs, and finally, the use of color. Another interesting one was for Silver Eagle Tea. This label is off-white with a red border embellished with tea leaves at the corners. The text, printed in red and black, reads US Registered, number 766 Silver Eagle, carefully selected for Mosa Oolong. An eagle carrying a chest of Silver Eagle Tea in his talons is centered on the label. And that was a tea label among those collected by Donald Maxton, collector and dealer in rare tea books and ephemera. Hello, I'm Kyle Whittington. As founder of Tea Book Club, I was immediately intrigued when Dan Bolton suggested interviewing Donald Maxton, collector and dealer in rare tea books and ephemera for the tea biz. As Donald wasn't able to record, I'll be voicing his answers for you here. What got you into dealing in rare tea books and related tea ephemera? 
I've been collecting books, primarily English and American literature, since I finished college. Years later, when I wanted to learn more about the tea I drank every day, I bought a few books about the subject, which added to my knowledge and enjoyment of the beverage. Eventually, I discovered that a large number of books had been published about tea and its rich history. This was before eBay, Amazon and the many websites we now have where you can easily locate and purchase collectible books. At the time, I found that many used and out-of-print books about tea were available at reasonable prices at used bookshops, usually in their cookbook sections. So, whenever I hunted for books in my areas of interest, I also searched for tea books, with the intent of setting up a small mail-order business. I started attending book shows that included dealers in ephemera, posters, postcards, magazine advertisements, trade cards, sheet music, etc. When I had a sufficient stock, I created a mail-order catalogue, advertised in Tea, a magazine, and soon had quite a few customers, tea enthusiasts, owners of tea rooms, tea firms such as Harney and Sons, and even public libraries. What is the most unusual or interesting tea book or piece of ephemera that you sold or have in your collection? One of the more interesting books I sold was titled Jinrikisha Days in Japan, written by Eliza Rumaha Skidmore and published in 1902. It's a first-hand account of Japanese culture in the late 1800s, with vintage black and white photos and illustrations. It's filled with interesting facts about tea houses and tea tasters. It had a lovely white and gilt pictorial binding and sold for $50. At one book and ephemera show, I purchased several delicate rice paper labels that tea shippers and merchants once used to identify their products. I believe they date from the late 19th and early 20th centuries. They're very attractive when framed. The labels I offered included one that reads, Pacific Mail, number 50, Extra Choicest Garden Picked Japan Tea, Fraser & Co. Japan. The label is off-white with text printed in red, green and purple and framed by a purple border and is illustrated with trees and pagodas. Recently, I've seen framed examples of similar labels priced as high as $1,000. I've kept two favourites for myself, one advertising gunpowder tea and the other for Mosa Oolong. Be them rare or otherwise, what are your top three tea books? James Norwood Pratt's The Tea Lover's Treasury, published in 1982 with an introduction by the noted food writer M.F.K. Fisher, is my favourite. This was the first tea book I purchased, and it's a superb introduction. It's comprehensive, informative, entertaining, and a pleasure to read and reread. I think that Elaine Stella's The Book of Tea, published in 1992, is a very attractive volume and a favourite of mine. A large, coffee-table book, each section is written by a different authority on tea. It's exquisitely designed and illustrated throughout, with beautiful photographs, most of them in colour. It's a real treasure house of tea information and lore. These books are easy to find, but I was also fortunate to find another favourite, William H. Uker's All About Tea, published in 1935. It is quite scarce and expensive on the rare book market. It's also very out of date but still one of the most thorough and comprehensive works about tea cultivation, manufacture, history and culture. Fortunately, reprints have appeared. What do you look for in tea books or ephemera? What makes a piece interesting or special to you? I consider the age of a piece, which often reflects the culture of the time, interesting and unusual designs and use of colour. I believe many of the pieces of tea advertisement and ephemera you collected appeared in the book Tea Art. Can you tell us more about how that came about? I had purchased a number of items to place in my catalogue. Before selling them, I showed them to Gregory Suriano, a friend who was writing a book about tea graphics and advertising for Schiffer Publishing. He decided to photograph and publish them in the book, which was published in 2008. 
The full title is Tea Art, A Modern Look at Vintage Tea Graphics. And what was your favourite piece included in that book? A pyramid-shaped folding poster display with colourful illustrations circa 1880. When open flat, there are brief descriptions of morning tea, afternoon tea, and after-dinner tea. When folded into a three-dimensional pyramid, the sides read, The secret of a really good cup of tea is quality, as supplied by the Tea Planters and Importers Co., London. How do you think the focus of tea books has changed over time? Has it changed, or are we just using contemporary words and context to talk about the same things that have been written about for centuries? The content of many tea books published in the last 20 years tends to be repetitious and a rehashing of what has already been written, but they often provide more information than earlier works about countries. In addition to the obvious ones, China, Japan and India, where tea plays a significant role in their economies and culture, such as Indonesia, Africa, Russia and South America. As tea lovers and fellow bookworms, it's been a pleasure to hear Donald's thoughts and get a glimpse into the interesting tea books and ephemera that have passed through his hands over the years. Thank you, Donald. Has this inspired you? It certainly inspired me to look at my tea bookshelf in a different way and consider adding some more interesting and historic items to it. Perhaps this time it was a collection rather than just a shelf of books. Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of tea biz journalists and tea experts? Contact them directly through Subtext, a private message-based platform. Avoid the chaos of social media and start a conversation that matters. Subtext's message-based platform lets you privately ask meaningful questions of the tea experts, academics, and tea biz journalists reporting from the tea lands. You see their responses via SMS texts, which are sent direct to your phone. Visit our website and subscribe to Subtext to instantly connect with the most connected people in tea. Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.